Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we are going to cover probably one of the teams that's being talked about the most frequently because they have some decisions to make, a direction to choose, and that's the Buffalo Sabres. They've been pretty much any insider has been talking about how they may or may not be making a move, who may or may not be available. Their GM on uh, WGR 550 in Buffalo had was asked about trades and stuff like that and didn't necessarily say that anyone really was untouchable. So it seems like they're open for business. And because there are lots of long-term cap building contract implications, we are going to dive into the Sabres in today's episode. So we appreciate you listening, subscribing to this podcast, available on pretty much all major platforms. Appreciate you following. Most of our work is posting at AFP Analytics is where we post a lot of our contract projections and other kind of roster building talk, stuff like that. And then at Max Term Pod is also available on X, formerly Twitter, where you can subscribe to be notified of new episodes, but you can also just subscribe on a major platform as well. And with that, let's get into the buffalo sabers we've done a future long-term outlook outlook episode months ago i think some of that stuff's still relevant but i think also things have changed as we're sitting here the night of uh thursday february 15th they're in the middle of a game with the florida panthers but sit 10 points out of a playoff spot in a season that was expected for them to take a step forward clearly that hasn't happened and now they have some decisions because we're also just weeks away from the trade deadline. Yeah, so I think that's kind of the best way to put it is even though we did that long-term outlook a while ago, uh, things haven't gone the way everyone thought they were going to, and it almost sort of changes the conversation a little bit, especially when certain names start to pop up in trade rumors. Casey Middlestat's the big one that has kind of been going around a bit. Here and there, you see like uh, Peyton Krebs mentioned. So I, I think back at the long-term outlook, there were maybe some questions posed by us as far as, honestly, how those two would fit in long-term. I don't think it was a foregone conclusion that they would be gone or that they would for sure be part of the long-term core of this team but I think the thought was we would have a better idea by now and I, I think that's kind of why there's a lot of talk around the team right now it's why we kind of feel the need to do this podcast again yeah the Casey Middlestat one's probably the most interesting because to me I draw an equivalent a little bit to kind of few years ago the Sabres with Sam Reinhart had to make some decisions as to whether they wanted to give him a long-term commitment or kind of continue to go short-term short-term they chose the short-term options much to I've been on record for years saying they should have went long-term back then and eventually that wore on the player because they didn't the Sam Reinhart personally didn't feel that the Sabres truly believed in him and wanted to commit to him and I think that's a very fair sentiment to have and it feels like we're reaching that point with Casey Middlestat as well 
there's been nothing said publicly that he's not willing to sign a long-term contract. There's been nothing said by the Sabres that they want to trade him or don't want to give him a long-term contract, but actions sometimes speak louder than words in the fact that we're weeks away from the trade deadline and there's enough smoke around his name it would not be a surprise to see him moved. And I think one of the other reasons that he could be the logical, a logical piece to move is this is, we'll get into a little bit of what their roster outlook looks like next year. But the reality is, is they have a lot of players under contract who are going to play high in their lineup while also having a lot of prospects who probably should be in the NHL or at least given an opportunity next year. And spots just aren't there for them to at least put them in a, in a role where they could be successful. Yeah, and so a, a big part of that, while Middlestat's shown he could play center or wing, Buffalo's built up a lot of depth down the middle. Already into long-term deals are Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins. And when both of those deals were signed, it was kind of viewed as, okay, there's our number one center and our number two center. So where did that leave middle stat? It was either centering the third line or possibly being higher in the lineup, but he would be on the wing. Factor in all of the other players that are in the lineup, something's got to give eventually. And once you start, I I guess, feeling cap issues a little bit, I I don't want to say they have cap issues yet, but we're getting to the point where those smart decisions need to start being made. And this is really the time cap wise that I think Adams will be judged on. So I guess to kind of begin the conversation, sort of sticking with middle stat, but how he could fit in with this team, I, I think we should just put out our contract projection as of right now. So we we just did a short-term projection that actually went out today on the 15th. That short-term projection would be a one-year deal for middle stat. It'll allow him to keep RFA status, so team control still, when it expires. So that would be a one-year deal at about $4.7 million. So that's about where we're expecting possibly an arbitration case could end up, um, or really uh, avoiding arbitration would be the most ideal thing for everyone involved and agreeing to that number. Our long-term contract for Middlestat, uh, and this was um, calculated back at the end of January, so two, three weeks ago, we were looking at about 5.8, million over five years. So that would by, I believe, three UFA years for Middlestat. And so that currently is a difference of a little over a million dollars. Doesn't seem like it's that big of a difference. It could end up being so as, as we go through this team and what the cap could look like. We'll revisit that difference. But now that we've got those contracts out there, what does the team in general look like? I think we should probably get into... I mean, really what the top six looks like. So <clears throat> let me let me say one thing on, on middle stay. If the plan is to go that short-term contract, it's frankly time to trade him because 
again, Sam Reinhardt situation at some point, it, the players just wants the commitment to feel like you appreciate him. And I think Middlestead's at that point. I think he's deserved that as well. He frankly might be the best Sabres center this year. So here I'll transition into what does their lineup look like? As you said, they have Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestead. This season, Casey Middlestead has been the best center. He has been their maybe not true 1C minute-wise, but he's their 1C. And frankly, as showing he has 1C ability, maybe not in an ideal situation, but on in the right situation, he could probably play top-line minutes. So he is probably their bouncer, but definite top six players this season and then kind of going into the offseason. Jeff Skinner's under contract, Tage Thompson, as I said, Dylan Cousins, Alex Tuck, who might have some flexibility to play more of a third-line role if it comes down to it. Then you have Zach Benson, same thing as Tuck, kind of could play a third-line role. Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka. So I just listed off nine-ish, eight names, I believe, eight names for six spots. Again, a couple of those wingers maybe look okay on your third line, but you need a good top six and frankly the players that I mentioned have not been performing at a top six level this season no and I I think you mentioned eight without including middle stat and and that's been what their top nine uh, other than Quinn being hurt this year that is the top nine when you pencil it in and look to the future or really just try and make an ideal lineup for this season as far as so some of those wingers could be ready to take on a little bit of a higher role. This is where kind of the forward logjam starts. I think a lot of people look at all the prospects coming, but it's sort of already there on the NHL roster. We've seen that. There's fans that'll complain, well, Peyton Krebs hasn't seen time higher in the lineup, and I would say, okay, yeah, that's maybe a little justifiable as far as evaluating the player, but when you look at the rest of the roster, who is not playing higher in the lineup instead? Or who who's moving down so that Krebs can move up? It's not very cut and dry. It's kind of showing that logjam. I will, I've been on record, and this is not saying I dislike Peyton Krebs as a player, but he also hasn't shown enough to really play up in the lineup he has gotten limited opportunities and even sometimes the competition he's playing against if he was going to be able to provide like play driving ability he should be able to do that regardless of who his line mates are when he's playing weaker competition so I and then when he has had the opportunity to play with more skill I he hasn't driven the play at the level that you need and again, as we get talking in, in this logjam, he's a very logical kind of move out type of piece. Potentially, especially when we are looking that he needs a new contract uh, this offseason. And again, we'll, we'll get to the specific numbers soon, but we are getting close to a scenario with Buffalo where every decision matters. kind of want to focus on some of the younger wingers 
So I mean, I mean, we we know Jeff Skinner's in the top six. He's a nine million dollar player. Tuck has pretty much earned that spot in the lineup, maybe top nine. When we start looking at guys like Benson, Paterka, and I'm, I'll say even Jack Quinn, he's been hurt this year, but when he's healthy, he's going to be at least a top nine winger, if not top six. Those are three really young players. Two of them, Paterka and Quinn, are not up for new contracts this offseason, but we need to keep in the back of our minds that the following offseason they'll need it. They're actually extension eligible on July 1st this offseason. Might be smart to kind of start talking and get that done sooner rather than later. I would say, especially for someone like a Paterka, He's performing very well and on many nights is honestly probably the standout offensive player. There are some others that are contributing well, but I think if you were to point out one player offensively to be excited about from this season, Paterka probably tops the list. He's exactly what you're looking for one of your younger wingers to turn into. So that that's one of the main contracts that I think we need to start thinking about. It's on the back burner, but it's starting to get close to being on the front burner. And I think we need to remember that that decision is there when we're making decisions about a middle stat, about a Krebs, and even other areas on the roster. So my probably scorching hot take right now is going to be if they can't find a way to move off of probably a Jeff Skinner to be completely honest Paterka might be the odd man out and and I know that that like everything you just said is is completely true but when you look at where they are currently and where they are in the future and where his contract's probably going to slot into all of that it's probably one of him or Jack Quinn because they're just on a slightly different contract schedule. And if I had to choose between the two of them, I might lean towards Jack Quinn for his all-around ability and probably ability to provide a little bit more up and down the lineup and probably a little bit more consistent steady play. So let me let me lay this out a little bit more because, frankly, as we were recording, uh, James asked for a pause to gather his thoughts as I said that. <laughs> and so let me lay out this logic a little bit more because I think it sounds insane. And I might be insane. I mean, it's tax season starting to get to me maybe early and, you know, my brain's not fully there. But let, let me lay this out. I've actually had this thought for a while. So. The prospects in the organization, Isaac Rosean, who who is developing into probably a very nice two-way, probably middle six forward. But then you have Yeri Kulik, who is frankly the same type of player as Paterka. He brings a lot of the same things. Might be a repetitive kind of player to have. I'm not, I'm not, you can't have too many good goal scorers, but at the same point, if you're looking at limited spots for players, Kulik and Paterka are, could be very interchangeable with 
Kulik having the ability to play center, as well as, and the big thing is, he still has three years left on his entry-level contract, where Paterka is going to need a new contract, as as you said, as soon as this offseason, definitely next offseason. So if you're looking for spots in your top six, again, unless you can somehow find a way off of a Jeff Skinner, you might need to make a decision on Paterka versus Kulik. And given the kind of contract situation, Kulik might make a lot more sense. So let me draw one more comparison for for outside of hockey right now. So if you follow football, Chicago Bears have the first overall pick. They have to decide whether to keep their quarter, their current quarterback or trade him and draft another quarterback. The main argument for drafting the new quarterback is to reset your contract situation. Yes, quarterback in the NFL is a lot bigger than we're talking in hockey, but Paterka is also putting up numbers that will get him a nice payday. So when, so when I'm just looking at this and you need spots and you need potentially long-term cap space, swapping out Paterka for Kulik makes a lot of sense. So to give a little bit more of a context to that, we did some contract projections for some of these guys. Um, they aren't released publicly. These were done really for the sake of this conversation, uh, looking at the guys who uh, can't sign an extension until July 1st this year, so they're not currently extension eligible. So Paterka being one of those guys, we had a long-term deal of seven years, $6.75 million a year. And then his short-term deal we had being three years at about $4 million. Moving to Jack Quinn, Seven-year long-term deal, just like Paterka's, but his is going to be 6.25 a year, so about 500k less. And then we've got a short-term deal for Quinn, three years at about 3.75. So in each scenario, he's a little bit lower than Paterka from a cap hit standpoint, but same amount of years. And I'll say again, I mentioned it at the beginning of this episode. That difference between the two, let's say the long-term difference, that's 500K, that is going to end up mattering in, I'll say, two years. Maybe not this next year, but for sure in two years, that might be a significant amount of money. Which brings me to why I'm throwing out the hot take of Pater- of Kulik comes in for Paterka, basically, because that's now saving you $6 million. A little, little bit less. We'll say, we'll say like five and a half, five to five and a half, um, because Kulik will still, again, be on his entry-level contract for a couple of those years. A- am I So I want to be very clear. I think Paterka's a fantastic player, and I think he's actually so good that he's making that he might play himself to a spot where Buffalo is going to have to make a tough decision or be backed into a corner type thing. And again, the ideal scenario is probably moving off a Jeff Skinner, but that's going to be easier said than done. Well, yeah. So not only is he making 9 million, which teams aren't going to be thrilled about. So you're 
needing to retain in a trade. He has a full no-move clause, which... I So, back when Seattle did their expansion draft, he waived it. He knows Seattle's not taking him because of that 9 mil cap hit. So, anyone wanting to point to that situation saying, well, he'd be willing to waive the no-move clause, that, that's entirely different than if he was presented with a possible trade and it was if he waives it, he's going somewhere else. So, yeah, Jeff Skinner is for sure... I don't want to say the problem, but in, in a way for the long-term outlook of this team, that $9 million each year for the next three seasons after this current one, it causes a problem. This is really this entire conversation we're having right now. If that $9 million's not on the books, it's not really a conversation that needs to be had anymore. So let's bring it back to kind of the immediate short-term situation yep. before we get too long-term looking because really, really the discussion is is what do we do? What do the Sabres do, not we? I mean, we would maybe make different decisions, but what do the Sabres need to decide in the coming weeks? I think that's yeah. where we need to go. So we had to lay out a little bit of the long-term situation because so if the Sabres were to basically keep everyone under our contract projections, which would be include Middlestat long-term, Lukanen long-term, which was just released as well the evening of uh, Thursday, February 15th. We have them having approximately five to six million in cap space, assuming they fill the rest of their uh, forward roster holes with prospects, basically. So that would have their defense having six guys, two goalies. Devin Levi would be up with uh, Lukanen. And then we'll plug in Kulik, Rosean, uh, Rusik, and Brandon Byro from the American Hockey League onto the roster. So that would give, again, bring every single forward back, including Middlestat, I guess excluding Victor Olsen, Zemgis Gergensens, and Kyle Oposo. Yeah, so our, and RFA's Eric Robinson as well. It's so, the UFA's gone. So RFA New Deals, sorry, and uh, UFA's gone. That leaves them 5.6 to basically, well, we filled out their lineup with prospects and then have six defensemen. So that gives you enough to sign a mid-tier free agent-ish, and you'll be tight, but you can make that work. No, pro Pretty much no problem, I'll say. Yeah. Well, so I, we've seen it all this year and last year with the cap being as tight as it's been the past few years. Teams will not necessarily have a full, full roster uh, just to kind of make sure they're being cap compliant. Buffalo could kind of run things similarly if they had to. Maybe they don't carry two extra forwards. They carry one extra forward and there's a roster spot. Um, save a little bit against the cap. So it's it's doable. It, it could become pretty pretty tight pretty quickly, depending on if they sign anyone. And this also assumes our middle stat projection holds through through the end of the season. And if he continues to play at a high level and stays with the organization through the trade deadline, there's a chance that when we run our projections again come the April, we'll say, 
he might be more in the six to seven range and that brings our kind of penciled in cap space down from the five to six to the four to five which now starts to get you out of the range of frankly i'll just say my number one target for the savers would be matt roy who's projected right in that five to six million dollar range right shot defenseman currently with the la kings he would fill the need that you've been chasing for a couple of years now yeah so again just to recap that so if middle stat held at what we currently have him projected at so let's say 5.9 Bring back Krebs, two and a half. You get Yoki Haru signed again, 4.3. Lukanen gets our long-term projection, 3.3. That would kind of leave Buffalo with about 5.6 to work with, and that fits Matt Roy perfectly. His projection was 5,582,500 to be exact, and that, that just fits in. So, yeah, like you said, that situation, things would be very, very tight. They would have to be, well, I mean, they would be cap compliant with a full roster, but as far as being able to add anything else, they'd pretty much have to be happy with a bunch of their prospects making the NHL roster. So, yeah, things could potentially get tight as soon as this offseason. So I think that's where this kind of discussion needs to finish, wrap up. I mean, we're, we're spent a few more minutes here going through it, but so that brings us to the now, basically. And I think we've laid out that there's going to be some slight, some uncomfortable decisions have to be made in the longer term. But really, we also just laid out there's a short term kind of issue looming if they want to quote unquote run it back which given how things have gone this season i don't know if that would be the the smart decision anyway so this is where we get something probably has to give with one of their bigger name players so we've mentioned jeff skinner would be the probably ideal candidate to move out but also probably not the likely one on defense, I'm assuming Rasmus Dahlin is safe. And I'm assuming Owen Power is safe. After that, I mean, Matthias Samuelson could be a trade candidate, but at, he's not breaking the bank either. Like, if you want to make a splash, sending him out is not freeing up enough cap space to necessarily make that splash. So that's, I mean, you could let Yo- Henry Yokiharu walk trade him again not a ton of cap space so up front i think we get to i guess we'll say three because middle stat is one tage thompson dylan cousins i think those are your three names and one of them has to go whether that's deadline move or an offseason move i think one of those three are, is is gone in the next six months from buffalo yeah, so I think it's definitely one avenue that they could go is moving one of those three centers. And if we're being realistic about it from a perception standpoint, from contractual standpoint, that center would most likely be middle stat. Hence kind of why all these rumors are happening now as we lead up to the deadline. So it's an interesting thing. I think Adams was on WGR in Buffalo and 
kind of left it open a little bit as like, well, we'd love to have middle stat long term, but I have to answer my phone. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't, which that's kind of the correct answer for him to give. I would say I don't know if there's a right way to go about this, but what is for certain in my eyes is this middle stat decision kind of is the domino for what we should expect in the next couple of years. It will really give some insight into that Paterka-Quinn combo um, and possibly some other ones even a little further down the line. So should they trade middle stat from a roster performance aspect? I would say no. He's been your best center, but it might end up being kind of what happens just because of their long-term outlook. So, I mean, it all really comes back to you only have so much cap space, but really it will get tight. But at the same point, we're also like, we also are showing there's an avenue with the prospects coming up that there is, there's room. So cap space isn't the number one probably factor here. It's really the playing time. And so who, so some, something's got to give, if you want to give your prospects a legitimate NHL opportunity and frankly, your core is not working. So between all of those things, someone's got to go. And I think the problem that the Sabres are going to run into is no one's going to want, no, none of the fans are going to want Casey Middlestat to become two more prospects or a prospect in a pick, unless that's then packaged for something else. And I think that's really what's going to make it tricky is, okay, Middlestat goes out, someone comes in, we're still talking the same cap space, Maybe that's a defenseman. Maybe that's another forward or whatever. But, like, we're still talking similar cap space, similar spots available or not available. Which, that's related, but in a sense, it, it really is the issue of you have too many either good or high potential forwards. That, that's that's really the issue. And do, do you kind of give your core a little bit of a jolt and move someone out, which could be what's needed right now? Or do you use some of those prospects coming up, maybe try and turn them into a defenseman in a different position, try to get that log jam to be a little less of a jam? I don't, again, I don't think there's one correct way to go about it. And we're not really going to see for sure what way they're going until middle stats either on a new team or has a signed contract. So I, there could be one indi- other kind of indication is I'll throw out another bold thing is the Sabres very well could be buyers at the deadline, maybe not in a traditional sense of a rental player, but they could absolutely be buyers for someone under contract for at least next season, maybe a little bit more term, because I think everything we've laid out is there's, they have players. The question is how good those players are. 
but they don't necessarily have spots for all those players. So doing some level of a two-for-one where Buffalo sends out two pieces to get one hopefully better player back is really the direction they should go. And that again, that could be a deadline move if, like, a, I'm just throwing a name out, the Calgary Flames decide to tear it down at the deadline, get young, they could send out, and again, throwing a random name out, Andrew Mangiapane for two Sabre prospects or something because the prospects are appealing to Calgary where the established NHL player is appealing to Buffalo. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but that would be an example of a Sabres are buying someone under term while also sending two pieces out. So clearing their logjam, getting better short term as well as next season. And really, that, that's kind of the solution I'm expecting to happen. So I would not be surprised if the Sabres are a quote-unquote buyer, but not in the traditional sense you think at the deadline. I agree. I, I don't think... So with all the middle stat talk and the talk about a contract that doesn't have to be decided right now, it can wait. So if there is the need or they feel the need to... Um, kind of change up their core a little bit it very well could be using I'll, I'll say prospects but in general using the large amount of forwards to do that sort of the two for one or I mean maybe it's more than that depending on who they bring in I, I'm not sure but that that could be a very likely scenario so with that, with that all in mind, Middlestat is probably, as we've said, the domino to fall. But uh, the Sabres are going to maybe be the most interesting team to watch at the deadline because they could go a multitude of directions. They could sell again. And I'm talking more than just trading away pending unrestricted free agent Eric Johnson and or like Zemgis Gergensen's Kyle Oposo. They could sell a Middlestat. They could sell... A forward or probably a forward with term, potentially. They could bring players in. They could do both. Generally, you don't see that necessarily midseason, but they're in a very unique situation. So they really are going to probably be one of the teams to watch in the next couple weeks, especially as the center trade market continues to thin out. So middle stat value each day in a trade goes up but again do you need prospects do you need picks not necessarily so that's that's where we see the sabers right now they have some decisions to make and with that we appreciate you listening to this episode of the max term podcast available on all major podcast platforms give us a follow on x formerly twitter at afp analytics is where we post a lot of our contract break a lot of this discussion type stuff down and then at max term pod as well uh give that a follow as well we appreciate that and uh we'll talk to you next time